the aid of science that I was actually seeing this thing transform to match its destination point. If it's going into another universe, you know, everything's built on the spin here. Uh, everything, spherical, whether it be our DNA, the galaxies, everything's spherical in this universe. So you're going to another universe, probably dealing with a different, different shape, you know, and a different material. Maybe it's more crystalline, more amorphous metals, wherever it was going universe wise. But this is how we have to expand our modalities of perception when it comes to contact. And the fact that they seem to be somewhat physical with me is only how much they could do a pattern of unfoldment for this universe. Makes sense. I couldn't accept that at first. I kept thinking, no, it's, it's just, it's another galaxy. Like, like what Xandar told me, it's another galaxy. I have a, a quantum physicist by the name Rudy Shield telling me, saying, Barry, what you're saying doesn't add up mathematically. You're talking about another universe. They just didn't tell you that, but that's what you're dealing with. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, wonderful to be with you all again. And please remember, if you're liking the shows or even if you're hating the shows, to subscribe, subscribe, press that bell button, share the shows with your friends and uh, leave me a comment. Let me know if you've got any questions or what you thought of my latest guest. Well, look who I've got on the show today. I was just telling Barry, Barry Littleton, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I was just telling Barry that I think it was Geraldine Orozco. It could have been somebody else who said, oh, you've got to talk to Barry. He's fabulous and he's funny. And he's like, really? Geraldine? I don't even know Geraldine. I'm like, well, maybe it was somebody else that told me. But uh, anyway, so I was advised to chat to you because you're fabulous and you've got an incredible life story and you're funny. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, actually, I know who she is. I just didn't. I just did a conference, and she didn't make it. I wish we'd have been there. I could have met her in person. <laughs> what was the conference that you were doing? It was called uh, Camp Disclosure in Helen, Georgia. Oh, nice! And uh, it was a really nice event. Pretty, pretty small, you know, with things going on with the world right now. But it was really a good quality of people there, and uh, good interactions and good information being relayed. Yeah. So I enjoyed it quite a bit, and it was a beautiful area. That I've never been to in the south down there so that was cool. So obviously you're allowed to gather we're all locked down down here in Australia so any sort of conferences or any sort of we're not allowed to gather so that's you're allowed to gather in the states. Yes 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 there are certain restrictions but life has went on you know for now anyway for we'll now. see how that holds out. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a bit of a prediction. I feel like you going into fall and winter, I think that your winter is going to be, I think they're going to start clamping down again. Uh, anyway, mm -hmm. but that's another topic. Let me tell people who don't know about Barry. I've got his bio, Sebulous bio here. Let me, let me read a little bit of your bio. Okay, after a life-changing 
near fatal car accident in 2010 and two NDEs, which resulted in four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries and a coma that lasted weeks, ET contactee and experiencer Barry Littleton knew that not only would his life never be the same again, it was time to share his lifelong encounters with non-human intelligence with the world. Barry's not the usual contactee story. His is a lucid analysis about the nature of contact, that technology that non-human intelligence uses, not only to power the craft, but to quite possibly to power us, and why it's high time for people from all walks of life to come forward with their ET encounters and experiences. Barry was born somewhat awake with fragmented past life memories. He began having paranormal experiences at a very young age, which included telepathic awareness, seeing and feeling ghosts and various inorganic beings. Some of these encounters and entities themselves had distinct extraterrestrial origins. These unusual encounters led him to a lifetime of research and exploration into metaphysical and paranormal fields. Barry has um, an education, majority in psychology, sociology and ethics studies with the Wichita State University. He worked with at-risk youth and juvenile offenders through utilising the cognitive behavioural approaches for more than 22 years. Wow, you've been doing great work, Barry. Amazing work. (laughs) It says that you don't really have a website, although I did find a website that someone put up for you, but you you don't know about it. But you've got an amazing YouTube channel full of of videos. What's your YouTube channel called? Uh, Just Barry Littleton. It should come up. I've got my website is barrylittleton.com. It's under construction, but the links should be there to the YouTube and some other things and a couple of blogs, but it's, it's in a, and a work in progress. The work in but progress. My YouTube, you know, YouTube is barrylittleton.com and I'm on Barry Littleton on Patreon also. I've got a quote here from, where did I get this? I think this might have been on your website. I, my hope was to help unite extraterrestrial contactees with similar encounters, interests, and to cross the radical colour barrier that seems to exist within the field. Since coming forward, I have had uh, the pleasure of meeting awakened people from across the globe, which has been an amazing experience. Absolutely. So you think there's a bit of a colour barrier, do you? What do you think about <clears throat> Well, yeah. I mean, it was basic. Uh, <laughs> um, terms of first thing is that uh, when I started having my contact, which was in childhood and all the way into adult, I had adult experiences. I didn't see very many contactees at all that looked like me. Right. That was problem number one. Okay. Number two would be whenever I saw representations of extraterrestrials, specifically Pleiadians. They always look like, uh, I don't know if you know who this is, Fabio or maybe Kevin Sorbo as Hercules and Christy Brinkley on National Lampoon. They all look like that. Mm -hmm. None of them look ethnic. And later in life, like in my, just in my twenties, I had an experience with a melanin dominant extraterrestrial, I believe a female. So anyway, but just that wasn't said in in the media at all. And I'm not trying to take away from those that have had those encounters or anything like that, but it wasn't very encouraging for someone like me to come forward or giving me the answers that I need. So kind of, and then at the conferences, you start seeing that at first, when I started doing the conferences in 2016, I noticed that they were radically racially skewed. 
you had very little melanin dominant or ethnic people there. It was more, you know what I mean? So that was an issue as far as I saw it, but it's starting to change now. Just the awakening and realizing for a lot of people, opening up the communities changes things. So I'm seeing more ethnic people now at conferences and more coming forward and speaking. So that's a beautiful thing. The shutting that down, I will just say, if we're gonna be a type one civilization, like you see represented in Star Trek, the first original series, you had every creed, every culture on that bridge. Melanin, melanin recessive, different creeds and cultures. That's important. That's type one civilization. So we need to make that that lunge and step forward with that. So that's what I think this represents is why I bring it up. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love the way you call yourself melanin dominant and I'm melanin recessive. It's hilarious. I just love that. <laughs> Instead of black and white, <laughs> you know, you know I, speak, I have to tell you, Barry, I'm going to tell you, I have a small group, an online group that I call the Inner Sanctum. And um, there's around cool, there's around 30 of us in there and only about half a dozen or a dozen like make it live online. But I have got five or six melanin dominant people in such a small group in my group. And I, I, I like, isn't that amazing? And, um, you know, they don't all look like me, sort of, I call myself a fleshy white person because here in the West, you know, we're, we're, we live in such comfort and we eat all this crap food and our immune system is not good. And then we go to third world countries like India or Africa and our fleshy white immune systems cannot cope with the environment there. So I call us fleshy white people um, because, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting that uh, yeah. I attract melanin dominant people. I think I've been a melanin dominant <coughs> person many times in my past life. Uh, anyway, I came in as a fleshy white gal. You, you know, it, it just it gets a little redundant when I wind up having to spend so much time on that when I'm trying to describe my experiences, which is dealing with non-humans. Well, Some exactly. Non-physicals non, non on top of that. Right. And that's, you know, that takes it all the way back. So we still got to deal with that first right here, because this is a very primitive place. You know what yeah. I mean? No matter what they want to say, very prison, prison, primitive place here. Maybe it won't yeah. stay that way. But right now, I tend to kind of uh, agree with my brother, my older brother that says, this is a very hellish place. I agree. It is a hellish place. And I think that the hell that we live in is that <clears throat> uh, judgment that we place on uh, each other for our differences in, instead of and, and I think that when we when we meet our cosmic plan, uh, the family, you know, the, the diversity in, in what people look like, what what they look like, like insects and blobs and light yeah, beings yeah. and you know, like it's just it's unfathomable what they look like. Uh, we have to get over our differences and start feeling our, what unites us. But okay, let's get into your story. I'm dying to hear your story. So let, let me know what was let us know what was happening as a kid, you were having experiences. You know, things started off, um, I think this probably happens to more people than not. Definitely, I, I, I thought it always did, but now having talked and have other people communicate with me, I know it does. I used to wake up at night, not in my bed, in, in my house at like some school. It's like I went to sc two schools sometimes. And this other school, was, it was at night I'd be there, but one is you couldn't see the teacher. They're kind of in your mind. There's like a table in this room. It's a darker colored room, but like a, a black table, like a gray room, but a black table on there. And uh, there's on the, on the tables, like some water, a feather, some water and these silver balls. And the thing is you have to move the feather with your mind first, then be able to stir the water, kind of move the water. Then you can manipulate the bar, the balls. 
And that's something that just happened to me several times I woke up there. And it was disappointing because you could do that stuff there. But in my like day school here, it didn't work. <laughs> I was trying to move pencils and stuff on my desk. Nothing, none of it worked. So I found that frustrating. But the next would be an individual that would show up and actually play with me occasionally. I was always very well supervised, but he would come up sometimes and uh, just play with me. And he was a telepath. And, you know, I thought that more people would be able to do it until I got older, but this individual could do it. And then years later, I run into this, I see this individual on a, on a craft. I woke up on a craft and he's there and he's giving me an explanation. On my YouTube channel, that one is called the Acid Rain Experience. But that's when there was no doubt that what was happening to me at night with these encounters crossed over into my daily life. And I, it, see, it felt that way anyway, because it felt like I wasn't sleeping half the time. You know what I mean? I don't sleep good now, but I know that's one of the results of it. So anyway, but that's when it crossed over and that's what I call adult or uh, childhood experiences. But at that point, you know, it's when something actually had to do with um, this and this experience is breaking it down. This, I was shown this, I was on this craft and I see the screen and I see other craft out there and they look like they're, it's over like some type of a mountain pass cascade, a large cascade snow topped. And it looks like they're sucking up clouds underneath them. The other two craft I can see out there and they're emitting a light coming out. And this individual that came in and played with me several times looked different. It was still him, but he was different. He had a, a suit, a uniform on. He's floating on the de deck plates and he, de sorry, deck plates. And he looked like an insectoid and not the typical mantis that we hear about now that's like that. He did not look like that. His body ratio was about equivalent to what mine were as a child. And he looked like more like a grasshopper, a grasshopper with milky eyes and no antenna. Okay. Very ancient. But this was the same individual that had played with me physically. You know what I mean? But he didn't appear that way. So I think it says a lot about what some of these beings can do to us through our optical nerves how they can actually project conscious and things to our optical nerves that make us perceive them in a certain way, almost like a holographic overlay of some type. Anyway, um, but that experience definitely transferred into me knowing how real this was to trying to prove it and trying to understand it even more. So that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. I've heard that through a few people that uh, they have the technology of that holographic technology that they can appear as anything. And I've heard that there are many humans on earth that are not humans, they're ETs with that, that holographic technology. And when they turn it off, they look completely different. They can be insectoids or they can be blue or they can be whatever. And um, yeah, fascinates me. It absolutely yeah. fascinates me how they do that. But uh, you, you the know. level something i'm being encouraged to say here um mm -hmm. uh another going back to childhood experiences okay i had one that uh the first craft i ever saw was i was with my mother and i was seven years old and she was taking me to get a toy and this thing was hovering over the uh, the shopping center and you know as i got older i kind of had forgot about it i've got a killer memory and you know just so that means only time i have missing any time and missing anything like that in includes the star beings, you know, and I was told that somebody gave me something on that craft. I find out later an individual that gave me a rock in a store I was in, you know, but I called individual like him 
uh, charters, although they seem to be humanoid for the most part, but their energy is different. If you can detect their energy, it's like a push, not like somebody with ADHD. It's different. It's like only thing I can say is they seem they feel like they're humanoids from the future. Like what happens to humanoids if we don't destroy ourselves in the next thousand years? What are we like? What are our energy like? They feel like that more advanced. And I call them charters because every seven years in my life, one of these individuals will come around. They tend to approach people at airports, book, uh, libraries, stores, public places, bus stations. How many times have you had somebody come up to you and just say something really heavy, something that resonates so much it, it touches your soul? and it advances your consciousness. And then they just mosey back off into the crowd. You don't know who they were. But I think for lifetime experiencers, contactees, every seven years, some of us experience these charters. When I first mentioned that, when I first started speaking, I got, this, I got so many responses on that. People that have encountered someone like that, you know, someone that did something. I think it might be perhaps the, um, the Christian texts that say, um, Often men have entertained angels and been unaware of it. I think it's a similar type of situation. They've got angel angelics that walk around amongst us also disguised. So these are things to, you know, just realize that our world is not what it appears to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that saying often men entertain agents and, and, and are unaware and entertain your extra. I've said to my guides, okay, next time I meet, one of these holographic ETs. I want you to show me. I want you to tell me. But as yet, I haven't. Because I know I've met a lot of, you know, extraterrestrial souls, I suppose, people that have hung out in different, like you, that are having human experiences, but they're incarnated. They're not using that sort of technology. So as a kid, what were you making of all these experiences? Did you tell your mum? Is she, is she up with the program? Did, did she say it was just your imagination? What was going on? No, I didn't tell anyone, not until I got older. Um, then I, that tra transfers into what I call adult onset experiences. That involved a lot of missing time. It was also physical. And that's when I started kind of telling just one or two people that are close to me about it. You know, as my brother always says, tell people you were talking about it a long time before you started talking about it publicly. Tell them, you know, sorry. Yeah, I was talking about it to family members a little bit when I got older, you know. But the thing is, as so many of us, I couldn't prove anything. <laughs> and it also made me start going into the field of psychology. I want to make sure I didn't have either, you know, something wrong with me, something like a, a, a brain dysfunction or some type of a chemical that was off. And I was seeing some type of physical hallucinations, but that wasn't the case. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'll say to anyone that has the experiences, reality is real to the perceiver, especially if it's physical and you can touch things and you feel physical experiences from it. Whole different thing than even just the astral. Not putting down people that have astral and dream experiences, that's valid, but it's a little different than the physical ones. The physical ones come with a different, uh, a different shock value, let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, you know, it, while we're in our physical bodies, we're under that veil of illusion and uh, we're believing that only what is tangible is real. Uh, so yeah, the shock value is like, you know, that wake up, that shock value. But when you're in your astral form, you seem to have more access to knowledge. I don't know. So more memory, more access to memory. Of well, well, you know, there's something that they termed when I was experiencing temporal aphasia. 
which is a type of sickness you get on these craft. It feels like being on a merry-go-round. Now I know why I hated those so much when I was young. You know, I don't like merry-go-rounds, that dizziness. It feels a lot like that. And so much so that it can start actually interfering with the experience itself. Because one is you're getting this dizziness. Number two, the the smell, it's some of this, this, this Windex type of a smell to me. That's very strong. And you've got beings giving you telethon. Mm. All of that is a lot to physically absorb. Absolutely. You know, and I see, so that's why so many people, I've seen people having astral experiences in terms that they look like they were transparent to me and they're touching the light of, a, of, a, of, a, of an engine, okay? But they look transparent. A couple of those people have actually come into my life now. It's, it's a trip, but that's, you know, but physically I've met these individuals, but I saw them on this craft and experience that I had when I was about 17, you know, I saw them touching this light, but they're partially transparent so i know they're in their dream body or their energy bodies and i know why because they weren't having the same physical problems as temporal aphasia i was i'm about to throw up where they're able to do whatever they're doing there you know what i mean so the pattern of unfoldment when you're dealing with beings of a higher vibration from another galaxy or especially another universe like i know now i was dealing with beings from another universe that can only do so much of a pattern unfoldment to meet us physically. That's why sometimes some of the entities themselves look like to me they were somewhat transparent, but the physical, it's the, the ship itself was physical. Anyway, sorry, I think I'm going away from what you were wanting to talk about, so I'll try to stick to. No, I, I think it's fascinating. I absolutely think it's fascinating because uh, I've just put out a video talking about our mental capacities as humans and we're so unfocused you know we're so unfocused and and so when people start to meditate their mind um kind of tortures them because the mind is gone everywhere you know but the uh -huh. ets have this focusing ability that they can send sort of different streams of thoughts and they're absolutely agile in their mental capacity and their focusing so so I'm just thinking that if you're up on a ship in your in, in your physical body and they're sending you telepathic thought, it would be totally frying your brain because your brain doesn't know how to how to focus and how to receive and and yeah. and, and taking in taking in what you're seeing too right. the technology that that's another thing you know and I was I can't speak for anybody else but I was one of those little kids that probably my classmates probably didn't like when we went on field trips because I was one of those little kids what's that what's that what's that running around you know I'm real curious you know and that's the way I felt during those experiences and make me feel like a kid still to this day if I have an experience I feel brand new you know what I mean <laughs> it never ceases to be just amazing um, you know real quick you said something I'll just bring this up but I want to go too far off you know you mentioned thoughts and thought forms. And a lot of people I'm hearing them, I hear them talk about the Akashic Records a lot. And we've got specialists in that now, which is cool. But you know, really what are the Akashic Records? And as well as some of the engines or quote unquote brains I've seen on board these craft are able to access things that we will call their built, actually grown around uh, a black hole or a mako as they're called, magnetically eternally connecting objects is a new word for them anyway and what the how they actually how black holes actually function and how they're a piece of these craft now the thing about the black hole is that you know you see we used to hear i heard in astronomy that they don't have hair black holes don't have hair meaning they don't have magnetic fields 
but the true information they're getting from those observatories say that they do. Mm -hmm. And even more than that, the way that the black holes actually function is quite similar to the way our brainwave function mm -hmm. is goes, which is fascinating to me. You know, we've got um, one way, the way that the creator makes conscious waves are spiral or helical. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we have microtubules that make up the neurons of our brain which are actually helical and spherical. So they respond to conscious waves in the creator. Mm -hmm. That's a brainwave function. Where does empathy come from? Where does emotion come from? Mm -hmm. So you've got these black holes that actually function in that way, but you've got something that they're calling the quantum hologram, which is the circle which encircles the black hole itself. So everything coming in is a copy made and it creates the rogosphere or the um, accretion disk, as I've heard it called. That's part of what that is, but that's also a wrapping around this black hole of the universe itself, the records of it. This quantum hologram, that's the Akashic records. That's what people are accessing. And it, it is, and the only way you can access that is consciously, like through brain waves, through consciousness, which they say the thoughts move. I've heard quantum physicists say they estimate that the speed of thought goes 100,000 times the speed of light. Mm. That's intense. When I, when I talk about the quantum hologram, think of not just the microtubules of the brain, but that makes up the neurons. And we've got new brain science that showed something we have called mirror neurons, you know, which is like the grab and release reflex, but it's more than that. It's how we actually do storytelling with each other. Right now, as I'm telling my story to people, they can see it in their mind. It's a mirror neuron thing. Mm -hmm. That's what the black holes are doing. So space doesn't function the way that we've been told, exactly. the way we think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been on ships that have black holes in them, like these small, small portals, we can call them. I know it's a popular word right now, small portals, opening and closing. Now I know this was a craft that could choose the path of most coherency for the for the destination it was going to most likely in another universe so i saw this thing change when i wasn't in it anymore i watched this and it really blew me away it's one thing to talk about it now but to really witness it it pushed me to the end uh, it pushed me on the edge <laughs> you know what i mean anyway sorry that's just going to far out but i think these are important things for us to incorporate because it's not standard we were battling reptilians there were grays running around this is different. And I feel a lot of this coming through with you. It's talking about the higher beings, the higher vibrations, and how some of the universe actually works itself, which Absolutely. is not what we think, how space works. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Nassim Harriman speaks about this and uh, talks about that we're made up of trillions of black holes. You know, consciousness is made up of trillions of black holes, uh, you know, wrapped in a, what did you call it? A conscious hologram. Yeah, the nature of reality. We're just we're just hitting the surface like we're just getting a clue of what the ETs already know. Hence, they could do what they do with their, you know, their um, holographic technology and their moving through time and space at the speed of thought and their consciousness ships and their healing techni te technology. Uh, as you're describing the holographic um, helix, I'm, I was thinking of the DNA, you know, the way that DNA, because I, I worked as a naturopath and studied for five years, studied the body and uh, the way that the RNA 
is the copier of the DNA's information to build new information. And, and we're being messed, that whole system is being messed with big time at the moment, right? With, with what science is offering humanity as the savior for the current, you know, supposed world situation. And yet these scientists are not looking at the nature of consciousness. They have not got a clue of how anything works, really, when you're only looking at the physical part of it. You know, you know, the, the few the few that are, I hear them masking their words a lot. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying the word creator or God, that's right. so illegal now, they say the word <laughs> cosmic intelligence. Okay, fine. <laughs> you know, but the, the, the fact that there's a lot of cosmic intelligence that's coming out of this black hole coming from what they're calling white holes and things like that, but that's not really what it is, but it's cosmic intelligence from the creator coming through. And these black holes are the hard drives of the universe. Right. So which when you look at it on a galactic scale, you've got trillions of galaxies that all have this black hole, this Mako in the middle, making this whole thing that we're, we just talked about. All right. And that's also the way the creator can express itself in every galaxy right that's heavy oh i'm sorry how cosmic intelligence can come through <laughs> in every galaxy uh, i understand why people <laughs> i understand why people, people don't want to use the word god because the word god is so wrapped up in religious dogma that they think of some white dude sitting on a throne throwing um, rules and regulations <laughs> with people so they like don't want to have that image when they're talking about infinite intelligence or the infinite creative potential power of the universe wow we went way off track of your story but fascinating oh sorry that, that, that's my fault i'll be happy to get back no to no fascinating uh because yeah this is what this is yeah this is what the ets come to show us they come to show us their understanding their education their level of intelligence their understanding of the of the conscious universe and how to use our consciousness and how to use our mind power and our thoughts and how thoughts and emotion dovetail and all this stuff. It's um, where they're, where they're students, they're our teachers. So, so did you understand that as a kid, like as a kid, did you understand why this was happening to you? Did you sort of see yourself as one of them here in a physical body? What were you making of it? Like from your linear mind perspective? I was tripping out. I was trying to figure out why it was happening. And I had, you know, some past life memory flashes and things also that I knew somehow incorporated into this. And I didn't understand exactly that they're trying to help you to understand and remember. Again, we run a planet here that where we incarnate, we go through some type of incarnation process where many of us are devoid of soul life memories. Right. And that's a problem when we are perhaps immortal souls. Yeah. That doesn't mean when we incarnate here, was this the first time? I don't think so, not for many of us. So for that's an issue with people incarnating here devoid of soul life memories. The same way that the human race is devoid of access to the genetic memory, mm-hmm. you know, the one that actually a lot of animals still retain. Mm-hmm. You know, some birds, some crows that I fed, fed as a kid in the same area, it's like, their descendants recognize me. I'm an adult now. It's like they genetically still recognize me. Right. Like they're expecting me to feed them. You know what I mean? So that's access to the genetic memory, which I think Sasquatch also has access to, my opinion only. Anyway, but as people were kind of devoid of that, and I think a lot of the extraterrestrials want to help us to remember 
our soul life memories, which may go into other galaxies, other universes. You know, being an immortal soul is a big deal. It's like being part of the Q, Q continuum on Star Trek or something, right? Right. <laughs> that was a corny joke. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. The corny joke went right over my head because I'm, I'm actually thinking of, of what you're saying and I'm thinking of Mateus uh, De Stefano, Mateus De Stefano, I don't know how to say his name. He's a Brazilian guy, incredible, who as a kid started to wake up to all his Akashic, all his memories, his memories on Earth way back until Lemuria and Atlantis and his memories on all the other star systems. Just he had complete full access to all these memories and as i see this kid gaining all this remembrance you know when i was uh, studying consciousness and spirituality when i was younger i was told that we're not allowed to remember you know that's the game on here on planet earth we're not allowed to remember our past lives we're not allowed to access the akashic re records but i think that's changed i think that's changed well, well, did, i have a question did anybody tell you why and how in the hell do yeah. they know that's yeah. really what I'm saying. Are, people talk this stuff, but how do they know? Because <laughs> they, they, they were white clean right along with you and me and everybody else. Come on. <laughs> That's why my stuff was fragmented. You know what I mean? And, and I just say that because I, I, I witnessed something very interesting happen a while ago, like I don't know, a couple of months ago. I was hanging out with my older brother and some people were saying that, oh, you chose to come here. You made that, that you chose. This is a school. It's this and that. And my brother started yelling, going, that's BS. He said, I didn't choose to come here on any quantum level anywhere at all. He goes, this place is very hellish. I was like injected here or something. And it kind of made me laugh. But I mean, technically, there, there's validity in that. You know, so these people that say that, that say that by what? How does he know that there's not something that happens here? that there is a population here where you have an angelic factor that is wiped clean along with the criminal factor and sent to this prison planet. And in turn, you've got this criminal factor that rules this planet that's destroying the biosphere. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. Sorry, I'll be quiet. Back to the UFO stuff, please. I, I don't, I don't agree with I don't agree with that. I, I, I think we choose to come here from our soul's perspective. Uh, uh, we understand that we're infinite intelligence and we can't die. You know, you can't kill consciousness. And we understand that having having an experience on a, in a dense plane such as Earth would be a beneficial experience to the evolution of our soul. And and yeah, it's a trip. It's like, why do people do things like climb mountains when you could die and lose your fingers or lose your legs? I mean, why do people put themselves in danger, jump out of of airplanes you know what why do people want to be scared because why, there is that sense of adventure that you that you come knowing that you know as you have these hellish experiences that you'll learn and evolve from the experience and like if you jump out of a plane you conquer fear and and uh yeah so i, I do mm. agree that we um, i don't i don't think this is a prison planet um it's only a prison if you're inside the prison of the mind yeah mm. That doesn't that that uh, that doesn't mm -hmm. change. I'm seeing the environment being destroyed, though. That doesn't change that. Well, it doesn't I mean, change. I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate what you're saying, but I can't say I consented to really come here again. Okay, I mean, there's certain things I had to do that were karmically on the people that I once incarnated on this planet with, came here with, that I have to deal with now, and I'm trying to help, like I tried to help then. But I can't say that everyone has that choice when it could be an immortal soul suddenly say, hey, I, I, I consent to having all my soul memories wiped clean. 
and, and and to incarnate with a bunch of people who are going to destroy the place that I'm living in. I, very dangerous, may not make it. You know what I mean? And I, you see a lot of these ETs, they're flying around in these ships and they're not coming down here, are they? <laughs> they're not getting out of those ships, are they? The same ones the beings told me I was dealing with. The density there is very dangerous. We can get trapped. I didn't understand that as a kid, but now that I'm older, I do. And the way they would say it's very painful. And I know now when we talk of thought forms, a lot of these beings come here, whether they're inside encased in an organic ship or not, they come here as thought forms. Yeah. And then when they get into this solar system, but also especially into this atmosphere, the density, their thought forms take th start taking on density, sometimes forms that they may have had millions of years ago. I don't know fully, but I can say that that happens to a degree. You know, during this acid rain experience, when I see this individual that I knew that had played with me, but obviously was not a kid like me, okay, but the same things seem to be important to him that were important to me, I ask, and I'm sorry, when you're in really physically in the presence of a non-human, it trips you out and you ask questions. I interrogated, where are you from? What do you want? You know what I mean? And when I ask where he's from, he's communicating with me in a thought process you won't understand. And I was like, no, I, I was thinking, you know, heck, I watched Doctor Who, I'm heavy. Yeah, lay it on me, you know? And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he says, go 900 million light years out beyond the space-time continuum. Well, he was right. I didn't know what that meant. Then he's transmitting to me, since you don't understand that, start focusing on the third and fourth planets outside of Pluto. And I'm thinking back, you know, are you lying to me? It, could this be a deception? Got to make sure it's not a demon. You know what I mean? So, yes, yeah, it didn't feel like one. It doesn't feel that way. But you got to be careful, you know? So I'm asking, like, there, is, there are no planets outside of Pluto. You're lying to me, you know? And he's saying, give them to me, science not, has not found it yet, yeah. has not discovered it. Then I get older, you know, fast forward 20 some years, I'm in my 30s sitting in my office and they discover something called trans-Neptunian objects, which is the Kuiper belt outside of Pluto mm -hmm. and how there's several of those objects nearly the size of Pluto, planetoids. And there's three, there's three, four there's others out there. And he was telling me when he had said that during the experience that, those are jumping off parts or ju jumping off points for us to go into your solar system because of the density. Mm. So now I know what that means more. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. it's, so it was hard to so I want to back up a bit. You had a physical encounter with a, a off-world being that was 900, that came from a place 900 light years away from earth. What did this being look like? Insectoid. He was the uh, grasshopper. Like a, like, like, like a grasshopper. Oh, he yeah. was the grasshopper. Yeah. Okay. Did he give himself a name? Did he? Did he? Yeah, he did actually. And you know, it, in, it, it sounded like in my mind, like Yandar, like uh -huh. Y A N D A R. Uh -huh. But when I'm seeing it, I'm seeing a Z on it. So uh -huh. I just say Zandar, Z A N D A R. Okay. But the pronunciation seemed to sound like Yandar. Okay. And that's the, yeah that and you know that one I had another being named Mana. And those are two of the very few of these beings that will give me a name. Most of them don't have names, right. I think. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more of a soul configuration and feeling yeah. you get and knowing someone as it is to having a name. But this is a, this is a planet where 
we do need classifications and hey, I'm down with that. I, I, right. I like names and things, but they're always work that way. Yeah, they <laughs> you have know, that, that says so certain beings will step forward when we're younger and then step back and then others come forward mm -hmm. for a lot of us. That's what happened for me. It was hard to accept at first, you know, kind of like when Doctor Who changes form. I couldn't stand it. Different actor. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like change that much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was never a fan of Doctor Who. But my, right on, I right think on. my last husband was a big fan of Doctor Who. So oh. I used to watch it. I used to watch it and I used to think, now who's this? You know, I was never like, he looks different. Oh, it's a different actor. He's had a different. I'm like, oh, I can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a drag. <laughs> okay, Xander. I think, I think there may be as many as many bad Batmans and Superman as that too. So get used to that, I guess. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you met Xander when you were a kid, and he was trying to explain to you where he's from. You're having a physical experience. Is this in in on Earth, or is this up on a ship, or both? That's on this on this craft, which was on Earth. And they're uh, what this what they're sucking up underneath their 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 vessels is he's telling me that the acid rain I'm getting in my mind acid rain is very bad for your planet. And at this point, I never even heard that word acid rain. I didn't know what that was. So is you know, he talking the, about the pollution in the atmosphere coming down as acid rain and killing the planet mm -hmm. from our yeah, could, carbon dioxide saying, pollution? Mm -hmm. They were right. saying that. He's also communicating that metals in the atmosphere was a real problem here okay. for them, especially. I think guess they're probably not getting out those ship ships okay. because of the metals in our atmosphere, okay. along with the other contaminants. I'm sure, but um, yeah, and that so that was the experience with him that really let me know that this stuff was real. Because later on, like a week later, I wound up having to read this thing in my normal day class and. Uh, it was about the Statue of Liberty here in America. It was shut down because uh, they were repainting part of it because they were repainting it because of acid, the damage that was caused by acid rain. Oh, wow. And when I saw that in writing uh -huh. in that in that article, I mean, it just hit beyond doubt of a shadow of a doubt. This is real. You know, what I mean, this is real. I knew it was, but I was like, man, next time, maybe I'll try to grab a piece of equipment or something I see around, then I'll really be able to prove it, you know, thoughts like that. Mm -hmm. Didn't work like that, though. You're so sick there. Not much time to steal anything. <laughs> okay, I want to go back to something else that you said, you said the density of this universe. So you think that the density that we experience here on Earth is affecting the whole universe? No, the density of this solar system. Solar system. What said. Yeah. The, uh, sorry, uh, solar right. system. Right. So, yeah. so um, because I have heard that there are uh, highly conscious beings that live on other planets inside our solar system that we think are just acid or not, you know, just sort of um, that are not inhabited. So how does that work? You know, I imagine you've got one is... Perhaps some of these planets aren't totally like what we're being told, but I think you've got underground installations on a lot of them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, a lot of people talk about Norman Bergen's, uh, the ring makers of Saturn. And he's really famous now, especially in the melanin dominant community for saying that black people got off of a ship in some NASA, uh, NASA shipyard, okay? But in reality, if you read his book, and I was I actually gravitated towards that book when I was a kid. It's the ones I was guided to. But it was kind of hard to understand because all the telemetry it goes over. But he's talking about these huge craft that are out there actually mining or creating the rings. 
And he's giving explanations of that. So that's another thing. It's like, what are we actually dealing with technology wise when even within the rings of Saturn itself? We hear so many things about that now, you know, but his actually his actually body of work, that's what it dealt with, was these great machines that were probably 500 miles long or bigger that were mining these rings. So anyway, um, that's what I think we're dealing with here, though. You know, I, I became very interested in the gentleman named, oh, Lord, make sure I say his name right or people get mad at me. George. Adamski. Okay. I was, I was saying it right. I was thinking yeah, yeah. Minsky, whatever. People got Adamski, mad. yeah. Adamski. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> want no more, I don't need no more boulders hurled at me for mispronouncing his name. Is it George? I thought it was Adamski. No, his first name. Is it George? Anyway. George. Yeah. Yes, yeah, George. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, he, he, he claimed to be in contact with beings from Venus. Mm hmm. And that they were these Nordics in these blue suits, these tight blue suits. Mm -hmm. Now, when I got past criticizing the Fabio thing a little bit and realized right. that I have also interacted with some of these Nordics when I was younger, um, the individuals I encountered that I believe were time travelers and charters, as I call them, but I believe that they're like some type of a time traveling commission based on the ship itself. The ship looked like it had windows on the outside of it. And other crafts I've been on board, they, they don't have they don't have windows because they're organic. Yeah. So I think these guys are time travelers. But when I looked at George Adamski's, uh, oh Lord, George Adamski's description of these Nordics and what they had on suit wise, I took an interest in it. You know, because there was similarity there. Um, he said these gentlemen were from Venus. I believe that these are time travelers that are from our future. Yes. Well, the craft, the craft I was on board, like at one point, the gentleman goes like this. Yep. And it becomes a see-through. It Not just the, the wall is see-through, almost transparent. It goes down to almost where my feet would be. Right. It's like you could almost right. fall through it. And I believe that that is something similar to what it's called the etheric chronovisor that they're using to actually record a time frame. That's what I believe, real historians, perhaps. Okay, you lost me there. A chronovisor. Say that again. Say that again. Uh, etheric, an etheric uh, chronovisor. It was supposed to be a device that was extraterrestrial technology that allows you to step near this machine and if there's a beam of light with it and then it reads what you're trying to find almost like Akashic Records-wise right. and shows you on a screen the actual time frame itself. So you would be like living it like almost a holo, uh, almost like a hollow deck when yes. you're near this chronovisor. Supposed to be supposedly that it was um, confiscated and given to the Nazis or something, and they were working with it, supposedly. Uh, okay, um, so, so my mind's going crazy here, Barry. Uh, okay, what I want to say. So you experienced you experienced that. You're up on a ship, or is this something that you've read? about the chronovisor and the wall becoming a, a window and I experienced that you experienced it. Okay, just, so this, this it sounds similar to the chronovisor. It sounds um, similar, similar to the chronovisor. comparison. Yeah. So yeah. this is collaborates, cooperates with, um, I had uh, Craig Campobasso on the show. Do you know Craig? No, no, I don't. Oh, oh, you have to meet Craig. He's fantastic. So he works in the film industry, but he's an extraterrestrial contactee and he's written a book called The E.T. Almanac, all about different races. And uh, and he was working with Dr. Frank Strangers, who, who wrote the book uh, Stranger at the Pentagon. Do you know that story about? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's a long story. But he told me, and I got completely obsessed with this woman, about a woman called Elizabeth Clara, 
who lived in South Africa. She died in the early 90s, in her 80s. And uh, she had uh, f full contact with a Venusian who lived in Alpha Centauri and she went to their planet and hung out in their planet, had a baby with him. And she was from there, but she incarnated into human, into a human body to, to tell the story of their race. Anyway, when she's up on his ship, she's experiencing the same thing. The wall becomes the window. They just <clears throat> change the frequency of the vibration of the wall and instead of being solid, it becomes a window and they can see into space and they can see, yeah, like they can use the window. It's almost like a television too. It becomes, it can show predictive, show the future and the past. And so, yeah, it's the same thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got an illustration on my channel. It's That video is called the charters too, an illustration. It looks in, and you can see actually the ship itself the way it appeared, and the gentleman standing there, uh, done by Kasara for me. Yeah, it, it 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 was it was very interesting, you know. But I think what better way to also record the historical events than that? Yeah, you know what I mean. That that's that's that level of that I think. So, but she's right. It did kind of seem like it could almost be a TV screen at the same time, but it was too transparent, you know. Yeah, and they seem mm -hmm. to have access into the past and the future because I've, I've spoken to many contactees who were contacted as a child and then shown probable realities of earth and some of them very disastrous and they said you need to you humans need to get your you know, your act together if you don't want to create this disastrous future so they've they've got access to our future probable futures you know unless you raise your consciousness unless you clean up your planet unless you stop being so warring you know the the earth is going to destruct so um have you have you know a question have you been giving visions like that have i been that is a good question um no i can't really say that i have i chat to my mob all the time but i usually chat about now I get visions into the future that is very like the next year or two. But um, okay, so what they tell me is that your vibratory stance in the now is the only thing that matters because as you vibrate and as you exist in the now, you're creating the future. So or you're or you're on a particular timeline. So depending on how you live your life and how you think and feel, and how you vibrate, you will access different timelines of reality. And um, so they don't show me futures because there are so many futures out there. It's like so many you know, possible futures. You know, I'm very comfortable with you saying that because me neither. And I've asked, I've asked what's gonna happen in the future and they won't respond. And at first it made me think that they don't fully know, but also it's so unpredictable in that way too. And there's so many multiple timelines. Do I believe that there are fact factions on this planet engaging in some type of a time war that I do believe mm -hmm. uh, sadly. And I think that it's much more, instead of thinking, seeing what we saw in like the Hindu text, these great wars in the sky, we're seeing a war over, we're seeing a battle over time war timelines right now that I do believe in the fact how some of these time edits seem to come with solar flare activity. I find that interesting also, you know, so there's a lot of messing going on there. And I wonder if these gentlemen that I saw these, quote unquote charters, if they're not some type of a temporal commission that is trying to also maintain the timelines. And I'm pretty sure that the ship I saw, although this is one comp compartment, had these uh, Nordics in it, 
the other compartments I'm getting are different types of beings, some non-physical from different places. What would a real time ship be like? You know what I mean? A real historian ship. Food for thought, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> it can get so confusing. <laughs> it can get oh, so big confusing. Time. Uh, big time. Okay, where do we want to go from here? What happened when you had your NDE? So you had a, in 2010, which is only <clears throat> just over 10 years ago, you had the life changing. How did it change your life and what happened? Let's, let's hear what happened. I was actually on my way to work and um, I had a car accident. And my great intelligence wasn't wearing my seatbelt. It was only a few blocks from where I lived. And uh, I went through several of the windows in my little Trans Am, including the T-tops. So I took four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries. Um, I flew to the other side of the car and almost flew out. And then on the way to the hospital, I died. I wasn't able, my brain wasn't able to regulate my, you know, breathing apparatus and all that. So I wound up dying, but they brought me back uh, twice is what I was told. And then I was in a coma for about, oh, two and a half weeks. And then after I woke up, it took about, oh, two, three weeks to have a clearing out, which is where everything came back. And I remembered who I was and how to do things and remember myself, thank God. But um, that was, um, or thank creator, since we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Anyway, <laughs> but that was uh, something. And also what that did was slightly augmented my medium abilities, mediumship abilities and psychic abilities, which I could always hide from people before. And it started getting got so strong after the brain injuries that uh, people started really noticing it, you know, and I got called out kind of, but by the same token, I always said I was going to talk about my experiences, which happened long before I had any car accident, just so people know that, right? That was a lifetime deal of experiences. But um, uh, the fact that I was able to actually remember everything, but I was always saying I was going to uh, speak and come forward about my experiences. But you know, in reality, if it wasn't for the accident, that was just talk because there was nothing, nothing conducive to my career about what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I know you have, you have brain injuries, but oh, you've been seeing extraterrestrials since childhood before you even had brain injuries. That doesn't do much for anybody's career. So, <laughs> but nonetheless, if it wasn't for that accident, I wouldn't have come forward. During, the, during this, when I had died and when I woke up, I could still see these beings in my mind's eye. I could still feel them. And I would call them angelic super or archangels, but there's a word in the Uranta book that's called supernanophen. And that describes a different type of high being, high angel like that. And I think that's what these individuals were. And there was so much love coming off them that any more, I think would have disintegrated my physical body. We don't think love is being on that frequency, but apparently it's very possible. And their vibration was off the charts, the light coming off them. They weren't physical, but they had these strands of light, strands of light, like, like a thousand of them, you know, just gorgeous with these shields outside of these points of light. That's what it looked to me like shields. I could still see them in my mind's eye, even when I remembered, before I remembered who I was when I was conscious, could still feel them. So when I was me again, you know, I had to go through for a long time, actually feeling and making the deciphering these angelics I'd encountered because these weren't like earth angels these weren't like personal guardians these were different they were much higher intensity if that makes sense uh, more regal I had to compare that to the other angels I've encountered along with these some of these extraterrestrials that are non-corporeal and of a very high vibration also 
So I had to kind of try to, you know, do the correlation, although they may all working towards the same creator consciousness. It's at these different levels. So it was interesting, if nothing else, you know what I mean? But it uh, got me to come forward and start talking because I think this place is in, in trouble. Humanity is close to being replaced as the custodians of this planet. There's a whole bunch of other races that are ready to come in here and take over the custodianship of this planet. And that's no joke. I've been told that during my experiences. So we got to try to pick it up and get our vibration up, stop destroying the planet, quit letting the evil people just run everything here, okay, and change things to where I think maybe this is a place where the shift in consciousness is not just a pole shift, but it's a shift in this place, maybe not being a prison planet anymore. It's changing. So I'm up for that. Getting back to your NDE, you died Mm -hmm. in the hospital or on the way to the hospital, right? On the way. And you found yourself outside your body. Did you look down onto your body or did you just find yourself in another reality? Like one minute in the car driving, the next minute in another reality. My ND wasn't like that. One is I spent a great time of trying to decipher how much could have been the last oxygen in my brain responding to external stimuli mm-hmm. as opposed to what I was actually seeing. Cause I had, um, you know, for me, like I thought just before I remembered who I was, I had this NDE, but as my mother told me before she passed, she said, the stuff you're saying wasn't when you're in the rehab getting well, it was before when you first, they said you were a consciousness, you were saying stuff like purple angel, uh, Reggie, my uncle that I just, we just buried him a few days before I had this accident. I saw him. I saw my grandmother who's been dead. Oh Lord, 35, 40 years by now, you know, and her best friend. And I was talking to them at my, at my mother, my grandmother's old apartment complex. And when I say I'm talking to them, it's not like some vision. I was talking to them. Like I'm talking to you right now. It's very cognizant. Okay. So um, in your, in your NDE experience, you were experience yourself as if you were in a physical body and time and space at like, like you said, at someone's apartment, you'd be one minute, like we do in dreams, like one minute we're in a house talking to people, then the, the next minute we're somewhere else doing something else. Is that what you were experiencing? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I definitely, and I thought I was in the physical body. Definitely. So you didn't actually I know jumped, you were dead. I, I, I jumped back. Well, yeah, well, well, my, I wasn't fully dead. I'm pretty sure because <laughs> he tells me, he says, he's talking to me. He keeps looking at this tree. And first of all, my uncle was a very strong gentleman, right? And he's he's dressed like weird. He's got on these bibs with these Birkenstocks and this straw hat. He looks like Huckleberry Finn. It's not a way he would dress, you know? And he, he he's, he's talking, he's looking at this tree. And and I finally said something, I said, man, you're acting very strange. And why the hell are you dressed like that? That outfit sucks. And he, lo- he looks at the tree and he looks back at me. And everybody calls me B in my family. He said, B, the problem is I crossed over. You just can't remember it right now. Uh, and he looks at me and said, but if you get hurt again, like the way you just did, you'll be here with us. And he points over to my grandmother and her best friend that are standing back actually to my, to my right, actually to the back. And my grandmother never said anything. She's just kind of looking around like an owl. Her eyes are blinking, but she never actually said anything. Neither did his friend. But he said that to me. And I said, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with me. And I jumped back and I thought I was slapping my chest and my legs. There's nothing wrong with me at all. What are you talking about? Something wrong with you. And he turns around and says something else. He said, you're not all right. You're not even close to all right. You just can't remember it. 
Okay. And then it, he scared. So he said something else that I can't tell you what it was, but it scared me. And I, oh, and that's when I come up and I come up in the rehab in what they call a fall risk bed. And I'm like, what the hell happened? That's when I was kind of like, I was on my way to work. What, did I get hurt? You know what I mean? So it's when things are coming in then. According to my mother, what I just told you where I come up at, in the fall risk, she said, whatever happened to you happened long before that, before you were conscious. See what I'm saying now? But as a brain survivor, my chronological cr timeline is slightly off. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's, I'm dealing with perception from an unconscious state to a conscious state. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, you know, I, I looked at that line. I started to give him some talks. That's how I actually started talking publicly again was I had some doctors and nurses here in my home state that want to talk to me about my near-death experience because uh -huh. I'm putting it more of a psychology way and trying to understand what happened in terms of things that could explain what I experienced. But reality is real to the perceiver. Had I not come back here, I would have gone there or further over. But I think I was only so far into the death process, if that makes sense. It does make not sense. that far into not that far into the bardo the bardo thought all not that far into the bardo. <laughs> it, it does make sense, uh, and I know that when you're in those realms, there is no linear time as it is, and so trying to relay it in a linear fashion is difficult for many. So uh, during one part of your NDE, you're 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 yakking with your uncle who's dead, and you're seeing a dead girl, and then in, during another part, you're hanging out with these super angelic beings right yes <laughs> you on your phone <laughs> sorry i was somebody else getting a family member sorry I, I'm, I'm with you though absolutely 100 <laughs> sorry uh, go ahead go ahead uh, sorry <laughs> so at some part you were with these angelic beings and do you know what environment you were in when you were with these angelic beings or or you just were focused on them and you didn't sort of think about the environment that you're in just focused on them I, and I, well, I say that because I could remember them after the fact in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. See what I mean? I could still feel them and see them in my mind's eye after I had regained consciousness. So that far, you know, I could see other small things like uh, places I seem to have been. Another one I seem to be on this sand island at one point, and it's like a, a sandbar. And I can see now that I know what tsunamis look like, unquote, how the water's over sea level falling in it looks like it looks like water like that is coming towards me i'm on the sandbar and i hear this voice saying don't go into the water it's the pain it'll kill you stay out of the water and then i black back out don't know you know and so little things like that period of consciousness i seem to come lucid maybe a little bit but then again as recovering from tbi how much was that my brain responding to external stimuli it's hard to tell you know, but as far as the angelics I saw, no doubt those are real entities, real beings, <laughs> and very regal and a, a love frequency I've not felt before. And you know, you don't think it, when we think of love hurts, it's only in like the way relationships we hurt each other on this planet. We don't think of frequency of love so pure, so close to the creator, so creator like that it can injure, that it would be painful. But it makes me wonder if we're not capable of that, even in, a, in these bodies now. Makes me wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot I could say about that. But moving on, um, how long did it take you to recover? 
physically? Uh, it took me it, it took me about the two months to remember who I was and everything. Just a little less than two months. And then after that, I mean, recovering because I took um, a frontal lobe hematoma, hematoma to the brainstem, hematoma to the quarter lobe, and then what's called diffusal axonal, which is basically like a type of shaken baby syndrome, these spots on the brain. So my brain actually turned in the case and they had told my family if it didn't turn back, I would die from the brain swelling. You know, I had a well-known psychic that came to see me that I started dealing with as a teenager. She came to my to the hospital to see me and they let her back into my room, which is unusual. There's a lot of people there. But she said she got back there. She said that she described these angels she saw when she walked in. Mm. She said, but one of them was doing something with your brain. He was massaging it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was doing something with it. But now I can tell you, he was helping my brain turn in the case, turn back. They, they, they called my family overnight. It turned one night. They said something like a miracle. There you go. There you go. Anyway, sorry, that's probably not what you asked me. You asked me a different question than I. Oh, I can't even remember the I feel question. Like, I feel like I just veered off. I'm sorry. <laughs> we I'm are all over the shop. I feel like but, uh, I've ruined this, this interview, to be honest. No, you haven't ruined anything, Barry. No, it, you're fascinating. There's so much to talk about. Um, I'm just trying to get some linear structure to the story, but I think we lost that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe perhaps that's what that's what got me to, to come forward and start talking. So basically, uh, it was yeah, the accident itself, yeah, it and the near-death experience. It was a bit of a sledgehammer moment, I call it. It's like you're here to communicate uh, ET intelligence, and we've given you all these experiences. It's what it's going to take for you to actually start speaking. Let's. let's... And and the, and the fact they weren't taken. You know what I mean? They could have been taken my brain my mind could have been taken from me and it wasn't so then when I got pushed by spirit to start talking I went ahead and did it you know the first time I even wound up one of these conferences talking I didn't really want to go but I wanted to meet the people that were there so yeah. I, <laughs> I went down I didn't think it would ever go this far let alone anyone would even listen to me but I certainly didn't need another knock on the head to get, I'm supposed to be talking. I'll pass on that. <laughs> right, right. I, no I more knocks on you. the head needed. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to that have had an NDE specifically for that purpose to, that were already you know, awake and conscious of their experiences and they've had this big sort of sledgehammer NDE experience and they're like, okay, I'll write a book, I'll start talking. Uh, there's something about humans, yeah, we, we get so fearful of ridicule that it stops us from sharing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something very interesting. And I found this out when dealing with Ray Hernandez from the uh, former Free Foundation Contact Modalities, how closely connected lifetime extraterrestrial experiencers and near-death experiences are. I mean, so many of us that have had contact all of our life have these horrible near-death experiences to the point of where, you know, when I first started becoming aware of Mary Rodwell, she had said something. And I went up sitting beside her at the expo in 2019, just before the virus hit between her and Linda Moton House, kind of a little bit starstruck a little bit because I've been watching Linda since 1987. Right. But anyway, um, uh, but Mary, I, she reversed, we were both early and I got to talk to her. She, of course, is from your... Uh, your home Mary's country. a friend of mine. She is. She is. I was going to say to you when we were chatting before we came on camera, she is the only one I know in this arena that is salt of the earth. She is just so beautiful. I'm a huge yeah. fan. She was really cool. Never met her in, in person. I talked to her a few times, but never in person. And we got to sit there and talk for like 15 minutes, you know, before 
everybody arrived and everything. And I got yeah. to tell her, you know, my life was just saved in your, in your country and everything. So that was a, but she had talked about lifetime experiencers that have these horrible car accidents and the beings stop the space-time continuum and pull the person out, like at the point of impact and then place them back just a few seconds later. And such individuals have these remarkable healings. They heal really quick. They're not hurt as much as they should be for the accident they were in Yeah. and a few other qualities. And, you know, when I first heard that, it was probably 20, um, gosh, man, before I even came forward, 2013. And it brought tears to my, my eyes because I had a lot of doctors trying to figure out why I didn't lose my teeth or why I wasn't right. like this or that, why I was cognizant when I wasn't supposed to ever be cognizant again. Right. You know, so it's things of that nature that really attracted me to Mary. But I was like, wow, there are other people like this. I'm not alone. But such things are very emotional awakenings, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Mateus talks about it, too. He said he was on his way to do some activation in a car. He's on, on a desert road with a couple of friends. And this energy came towards him, a sort of nefarious energy and rolled the car and completely smashed the car and everyone inside was unscratched unscathed so even though there was some negative entity trying to stop them doing what they wanted to do they were completely protected uh, the people in the car wow. yeah anyway uh, 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 uh so where do i want to go, where do I want to go? Stuff, you know what I heard, I heard you talk about mushrooms this is something that i just loved um because mushrooms you know, mushrooms are so years ago i remember hearing that mushroom is the only vegetable that you can grow in space like it doesn't need light <laughs> and it doesn't need oxygen it doesn't need sun you can grow it in the dark and 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 then i thought oh mushrooms are aliens and that was my thought and then as as i'm sort of learning more and more about mycelium and mushrooms there's just so much coming out about mycelia and and the benefits of it and you experienced how the ets utilize mycelium do you want to talk about that sure um first of all is that and this goes into my adult onset experience the first one that i had uh, this ship in particular on the inside its walls seem to be a type of fungus, a type of a mushroom. Similar to like what, where I come from, we call some of the ones that pop up in your yard, toadstools, uh, but they're more slight, excuse me, more slimy. These had, this had more of a hard consistency to it, but it felt very organic, very alive. And mushroom, what I would, I would associate it with. And then when I mean, I'm asking what the ship is and things like that, they flood you with so much information, sometimes before you can even ask it. But I've got several times that the ships were uh, uh, composed of four alloy, like an, it's an alloy. It starts off with metals that are mined from planets that are devoid of atmospheres and Van Allen belts. Such metals from those type of planets are bombarded by solar radiation, much more than what we have here on earth. So the resilient is more of a metamaterial, a type. Okay, then combine with a type of quasi crystals, which is what our science is starting to broach now with uh, crystals that are actually grown with different lattices. And all the crystals I've seen on board these craft or with instruments seem to emit some type of a bioluminescence. All right, so we've got that. Next, we've got the fungal component, all right? That is a type of fungus that is with this compound that is grown over these like makos, these black holes. And that's why the ship, the engine is temporally displaced. 
And the other part is um, the, uh, uh, sorry, DNA from the crew. That gives the crew a chance to actually not just be part of the power source, but the symbiotic connection with the craft. And let me tell you, I underestimated until after talking to a few quantum physicists, how sentient the craft I'm on board were. When they start showing me the mathematics and certain things, I, I, I get it now. Why I'm moving around this craft without being escorted, really. You know, they're in my mind to a degree, but the craft itself, I know now it knows me. It knows I'm not going to steal anything. It knows I'm sick as heck. It knows my soul life memory. We're dealing, we don't know what we're dealing with here when dealing with space organisms. That's what that is. Okay. Anyway, the fungal component, that's how that's a part of this and why the inside of the craft was like that. And when dealing with some of our contacts and the earth and these organic craft, look at the symbiotic relationship, the mushroom, which you take away the stem, does look like a craft to a degree. Look at the connection that mushrooms have with the tree systems, the symbiotic connection there. And how many of these organic craft will come to this planet and start communicating with this planet through the tree system. Interesting how they addressed that a little bit on that movie Avatar in a different way. But we're dealing with this in reality, you know, what we're there or something else that I've talked about a lot. And this is information I got from them. Start examining the deep biosphere of Earth, that ocean that's between the mantle and the core. Most people don't even hear about that, which is a real scientific discovery the deep biosphere where 95% of Earth's undiscovered bacteria lays that they call dark microbial matter, oddly, <laughs> as it's melanin dominant. Okay, we won't go into that. <laughs> but, ser <laughs> but seriously, so, that, so that, that's something there. But the deep biosphere, when you're dealing with an organic craft, how you see some of them going into the ground or into the ocean, some of them are going to the deep biosphere and communicating with that bacteria on a life scale. It's a life thing with the planet. You know what I mean? It's not, so not all contact is what we're thinking. That's why I emphasize the organic nature of some of these craft quite a bit, you know, and that goes all the way to another experience when I was trying to describe I'm standing in this room that's full of these wormholes that are opening and closing. Now I know that that is a room or at least a place where this craft is able to choose the path of coherency to another universe. And I've actually seen that craft and I wasn't in it going from looking like a saucer. And I've got this all on my YouTube channel from looking, looking like a, a saucer to going to what looks like um, transforming into what looked like what JJ Hurtock calls a tripyramidal Merkaba, like these, these ball crystals with these stagmites on them connected like a, um, a molecule, three of them, all right? And they're lighting from the inside, glowing from the inside. I watched this thing morph and transconfiguration itself into that and then start moving through the sky like that before it disappeared. It really threw me for a loop. But now I know through the aid of science that I was actually seeing this thing transform to match its destination point. If it's going into another universe, you know, everything's built on the spin here. Uh, everything, spherical, whether it be our DNA, the galaxies, everything's spherical in this universe. So you're going to another universe, probably dealing with a different, different shape, you know, and a different material. Maybe it's more crystalline. 
more amorphous metals, wherever it was going universe-wise. But this is how we have to expand our modalities of perception when it comes to contact. And the fact that they seem to be somewhat physical with me is only how much they could do a pattern of unfoldment for this universe. Makes sense? I could accept that at first. I kept thinking, no, it's, it's, just, it's another galaxy. Like, like what Xandar had told me, it's another galaxy. I have a, a quantum physicist by the name Rudy Shield telling me, saying, Barry, what you're saying doesn't add up mathematically. You're talking about another universe. They just didn't tell you that, but that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, I came, I came into a group of galaxies about 900 million light years out, a little further called the Abel clusters. It's about 20,000 galaxies that are, some of them are colliding. And there's a certain cluster out there I'm attracted to called Abel 2256. I think that's where some of the contacts, some of my star family comes from that area. But actually now I know it's another universe. So I've had to deal with that. Anyway, <laughs> fun, fun, you know, the more you learn, the more questions you get. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more you learn, the more you want to know. Yeah. Yeah. The more questions you get. I, I know. Uh, God, I don't even know what to do with all that information. I, I was going to say, sorry, no, no, I was just going to say, uh, you know, the mushrooms, the, the, you know, we're just learning, like I, I've been geeking out on some shows talking about how mushrooms can be used to reduce all the waste because you can make a, like polystyrene uh, you can instead of using the plastic crap that doesn't degrade you can use mush mushrooms to make the same substance it can be this super weight a super lightweight a sort of protective substance which i think it's like you're seeing in the ships lightweight and yet incredibly strong and protective and um and you can make leathers out of it and you can make this beautiful felt sort of like suede leather or this super strong hard leather like it it's incredible and you can make from well, the mycelium you can cut it up and make bacon out of it it's just yeah. amazing what you can do with you know, you know they've been using that to, to fix like infrastructures and in cities and buildings right. and bridges right. and also nasa and i did a video about this about a year ago two years ago started announcing that they're going to be building try to build mushroom houses right. for uh, the moon habitation and Mars habitation. So it's interesting, I find it fascinating when even since I started coming forward and saying this, how much our science starts catching up. This right. is stuff I saw some of when I was really young, a long yeah. time ago, you know yeah. what I mean? So stuff like that's fascinating. And something else I'll throw in there with you also. Uh, on the walls of Chernobyl and also the walls of Fukushima, there is a melanin dominant fungus. <laughs> called <laughs> hang on hang on if it's, if it's a fungus if it's a fungus it's not melanin that's giving it its color it's something else that's giving it its color isn't it or is it's it it's actually melanin it's, it's melanin. called ra okay. it's radiotropic fungus okay and here's what it's called and here's the interesting thing about it this is like bill bixby and lou ferrigno for real this is like the hulk what that does is this fungus takes its melanin to convert gamma radiation into the growth cycle okay That's say that why again okay say that again say that again it it takes it takes its melanin yeah and uses that to convert gamma radiation 
into the growth cycle. Okay, so it's using the radiation to actually grow, like it's sucking in the radiation and saying, oh, I'm loving this and it's growing. Yeah, that's, what the, that's what the Hulk was. The Hulk was a gamma ray yeah. m- m- mutant. For Christ's <laughs> sake, that's the Lord's sake. You know, anyway, excuse my language. Uh, anyway, but, uh, <laughs> he should have been, like, been black instead of green then. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly, my friend. Just like Superman. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but you okay. know, <laughs> but you know, but 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 what's interesting about that though is what I was told, and this was scientists that don't come forward in the UFO community or anything. You know, they, yeah. they remain very silent. Yeah. But this was suggested to me that when you're dealing with like, especially beings that are miniaturized, how when you start going forward in your evolution, sometimes that can result in the miniaturization of a civilization, huh. which takes us into a whole nother thing. But how they suspect then it's suspected that this radiotropic fungus was sent to earth by an advanced extraterrestrial species to help us with the radiation cleanup. There you go. Oh my God. Yeah. And you know, we always say we, we, we don't get any help from anybody. Is that really true? Are we getting help all the time? We don't recognize it. Absolutely. You know I mean? Oh, you're hitting the nail on the head. So I've just done a video on that because I asked my listeners and only one person sent me, I'm going to be talking about galactic and extraterrestrial stuff after their higher self expo. So if you've got any questions, send me a question. So Susan, one person sent me a question and she said, can the ETs help us clean up the radioactive pollution on our planet? And I just did a video and I said, well, as I've spoken to the ETs, they said they have the technology and absolutely they can clean it up in a nanosecond, but they won't do it for us. They'll educate us how to do it, but they won't do it for us. And now you're actually giving us the technology and it's a fungus that's going to do it. It's a fungus. So you're saying that in Chernobyl and what was the other place where they- Fukushima, Fukushima and Chernobyl. Chernobyl, excuse me, this, it's growing on the walls. So they have to have those robots go in and scrape it off the walls. But uh, that's, that, I mean, that, that, that to me is fascinating. You start dealing with that and the fact that I'll kind of come from there. The only, the only heard like people like Terrence McKenna talk about this, that actually psychosyllabin, which, which is active in what we call the hallucinogenic mushrooms now, right, but right. psychosyllabin itself as a spore is impervious to solar re- radiation. So right. it's capable of galactic transport. Now, when you're dealing with what's called Bracewell probes, like something from uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, uh-huh. remember they sent the monolith to the moon? Yep. And the monolith waited till humanity started advancing and made contact and help us advance. But technically, the monolith was waiting for us to become a type one civilization mm-hmm. to show us how to become part of the galactic trade. Technically, right? Now, if you're dealing with other civilizations that want to send out Bracewell probes, what better way than through psychospores, through a psychosyllabin that comes in our mushroom spores that actually come and join with the planet? Yeah. Whole nother thing going on there. Whole nother thing. You know, I find it interesting that now they're even recommending mushrooms for depression. Absolutely. It's incredible (laughs) how diverse uh we it is that with the mushroom what we can do with it the diversity of what so not only can we stop killing animals to make leather we can eat it like we can eat it like bacon we can use it as packaging and we can become enlightened by having the mushroom 
you know, experience, like eating it with the psychosyllabin. Yeah. So it's, so it's enlightening on all aspects of humanity. Just, it's incredible. Mushroom, yeah. the mushroom, the humble mushroom. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it's, you know, so interesting when dealing with their life cycle and everything and thinking about how that is one parcel part of a space organism, right. a cosmic organism. And how long would they live? Would they live so long that they recognize you and me from another incarnation, the ship itself? This ain't like the, sorry, this is not like the Enterprise. This is something totally different we're talking about here. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's pretty fun too. It's pretty fun to see where our civilization takes us because now we know, even talking here, part of our really using real space transport is going to be consciously. Mm. If consciously brain waves, the speed of thought is 100,000 times the speed of light. That's the only way to access the Akashic records, which is wrapped around part of these black holes mm -hmm. that far away, but they're operating consciously. That's the way to do it. You know? You know what I'd love to see, Barry? I'd love to see you and Nassim have a conversation. Have you ever met Nassim? Uh, is that the gentleman, the quantum physicist? Yeah. Nassim okay, Haraday. No. Yeah, no, never. I would I never, love I never met to him or the guy that looks like him from Ancient Aliens. They kind of look alike to me. I never met either of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty busy dude. but um, He's pretty I, brilliant, I, though. I know that. He's pretty he's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. I, I'd you know, love something, to that, something I was attracted to, something he had said once. Um, he described a type of gyroscopic propulsion. I've been on board a craft that had a gyroscopic propulsion. They look like a, what we now call a fullerene or buckyball that was encased by these rings going around it. And then it projected a light up that went all the way up this craft. All right. But that was, I always called it the gyroscopic engine. And then I saw him make an engine that had a similar type of a gyroscopic uh, propulsion. Not quite the same, but brilliant nonetheless. He's onto something there. I think I watched in one of your videos, you were liking it to the movie Contact and the machine that they they developed in that movie. Uh, that, oh, when, uh, that, when, that, when that movie came out like 10, 10 years later, you know, I tripped out on I was and I was like, somebody knows something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just like uh, the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve from the 70s, mm -hmm. where Marlon Brando sent him to Earth the way the craft looks before it gets crushed in this earth's atmosphere, mm -hmm. it looks like this ball with these stagalomites coming off of it. Okay. And it's, you know, you make it glow on inside and put these rods with it and make three more. That's what I saw in the sky. Wow. That made me look into Superman saying, whose idea was it to make that ship look like that? Okay. They must've known something. Did they see something? You know what I mean? There's these little hidden things Absolutely. In science fiction all over the place. All over the and place. I like science fiction. That's probably why. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you are science fiction, Barry. You are, you're living it. I'm not that good. You're, you're I mean, if, if I was that good, I would just tell you I, I was. I had this experience and the guy looked like Leonard Nimoy. That'd be easy. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you about these, <laughs> all this other stuff. It'd be a much simpler story. <laughs> okay. So since a child, you've been having experiences and they've been getting, I think, I don't know, have they been getting more intense since your NDE since 2010 or, or you you know, just, you're just having more memory of them or you're having more understanding of what's happening 
at the at the age of thirty, my experiences, these physical experiences, seem to stop right okay. before I just turned thirty. Okay, for the most part, and um, it became more down. Well, I don't want to call them downloads. Communication. Downloads. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah, more, more yeah. communications, open communication. Uh, a lot of it started coming like that, and I thought that the time in my life, since I was no longer a super young guy. Maybe it was time of the, these experiences that would just stop my perception and stop my world were over. But the truth is they weren't, you know what I mean? When I started going out, I got invited to speak at this place uh, called the Assetti Ranch. I spoke there three years, 2016, okay. 2017, 2019. The first year, each year, but especially the first year I went out there, I got uh, completely blasted. I, mean, I got blasted and, I'm, and so much paranormal stuff happened to me that I was wrong. I, I apparently wasn't past things that just stopped my physical world, you know, so that's, that's one thing. Okay. That, so so what happened? Let us in on what happened. So what, what do you mean? What do you mean you got blasted? What happened to you? Come on, share, share, well, share. For starters, um, a week and a half before I go out there, I start obsessing over albino Sasquatch white bigfoot albino bigfoot i'm looking up everything on on the internet about him thinker thunker mk davis you name it i watched it all and i didn't recognize that as a type of communication it just felt like a weird obsession okay uh when i get there i'm from the midwest i was unprepared for how remote the society ranch was in the mountains from the portland airport so that freaked me out a little when i get there i feel like i'm being watched on the property immediately Okay, and then I had many things happen concerning Sasquatch out there. So pushed over trees, some rocks left on my doorstep, some mind speak, telepathic communication. Uh, saw a shapeshifter out there. Okay, that that's the Sasquatch part of stuff that happened to me out there, which was enough. Okay, that, that's enough. But I start um, the first time I'm out there, I'm walking with a gentleman that worked out there. And we're walking around the the, uh, the long way. And we're coming towards what they call the Pleiadian Circle. And we're standing in that circle just talking. And suddenly we see this, this ship. I thought it was Venus at first over this tree. There's this evergreen tree. I can measure this thing. And uh, he's finally comments on it. It moves over. It goes over to this mountain range. It starts morphing. Okay, this next to Mount Adams. I said he sits on this mountain called Mount Adams. But this is a mountain range right next door called uh, Sleeping Lady. Almost looks like a lady laying down. Uh, it descends towards the peak, goes out, and then re-illuminates. And when I say it re-illuminates, I can see it through the mountain. And yeah, yeah. And I mean, to the point where I think, okay, maybe the mountain air got to me. And I'm not seeing this right. It must have descended in front of the mountain and then re-illuminated. But it goes out, comes up, illuminates, goes down, does it again. And this guy that I've been walking with, he's a real nice kid. He's like, he's like maybe probably 26. His name is Albert. He's like bent over, probably 24 at that age. He's pretty, pretty young. He's bent over like a football player. He's going, whoa, whoa, breathing real hard. And I was like, man, what are you seeing? And he's like, it's impossible. I was like, never mind that. What are you seeing? Because, you know, this type of delusion is not shared. And he's saying immediately, he goes, man, it's some sort of a trick. He says, this is some sort of a hologram. What is this? I'm like, hey, I don't know, man. You got me. You know, so that was the other thing that happened to me out there that was completely mind-blowing. It's one thing to sit here now and talk about the holographic universe, the holographic principle. Stephen Talbert was a contactee. Well, that's great. That doesn't do a whole lot 
when you see something like that happen, the rest of it is just scientific talk. But when you see that, it pushes your perception to the boundary. You know what I mean? There's a video on my channel under the playlist. It's on the Assetti Ranch, and it's called Holographic Mountain. The guy knows that place, James Gillian, next day when I told people this, we told people he wants to do a video about it. So there's a video on there, me jumping around, too excited to almost talk about it because it was mind-blowing. You know what I mean? Um, other communication with what appeared to be beings from the mountain, feeling like the little bit I slept out there, like I was going in the mountain and things of that nature. So there's very several paranormal things that happen on that property. Um, to the point, I think there's a device in the mountain. I did a video about this too, that I think there's several on earth, but it actually, when it activates certain people get around it, I think it scans your life memories and gives you something through orbs. I think it produces orbs, which gets seen out there all the time, an orb that gets in your field of energy and propels your perception forward. So it's like an orb technology out there. And I got something I can talk about later that actually validates that a little bit, what I experienced in 2019 out there. But there's something in that mountain, in that portal you can see out there that's actually reading people and generating experiences for people. I think it's technology that's existed on this planet for a very long time when we were previously a type one, type two civilization. And when certain one of us get around it, it starts opening up and functioning. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's a base in the mountain. They're telling me there's a base in the mountain. There's a whole mess of people that live there, whole gang. Mm -hmm. um, there's a dimensional door you can see too. Uh, so <laughs> on your phone again. <laughs> No, it's just I had to respond. Everybody's wondering what happened to me. <laughs> Tell them you're talking to Australia. Um, so the guy that was bending over the young guy, what did you say his name was? Albert. Uh, Albert, yes. Why was he bending over? Was he scared? Was he having a physical reaction? Was he vomiting? Why was he bending over? Freaking out, freaking it, out. He was scared. Out, he was, he was like, well, I wouldn't say scared, just tripped out. It's hard to accept that. And he, start, he started kind of breathing heavy when this thing moved to the other side of the tree. Because at first he probably thought like me, I thought it was Venus. Okay, it was that bright. It seemed about at that angle there. And so I kept looking at it was moving slightly. And I kept looking at it, he's talking. And you know, I didn't think he was even looking that way. And then finally he said something, he said, man, are you seeing this, this star over here? I say, yeah, he goes, it's moving. I say, yeah, I thought so. And then it suddenly moved to the other side of the tree. And I mean, he's handling it then, but when it starts going towards the mount, the mount, the, the mountain cascade, sleeping lady, it turns. It's like it's a yellow ball, looks like a star. It suddenly starts flashing. It goes into about five, goes back into one, then it goes into five, wow. back into one, and that's when he started breathing heavy. Yeah, and then it moved over to the as it's a single golden ball. It moves over to this mountain and it goes down. It humpers over it for a second. It goes down, and then it goes out as anything would when it goes underneath, behind something like that. And then all of a sudden it re-illuminates yeah. and we can see it through like the middle of this mountain. It's, it's absolutely preposterous. Only way I can describe it. Yeah, I may not have been hyperventilating, but I won't want to say he was hyperventilating, but he was just been on the whoa, whoa. And it I just, was, I mean, it was hard. I, I, I mean, it, it blew me away too. Believe me, I, I was, I was blown away. I just realized we've been talking for like, almost two hours an hour and 45 40 minutes um okay just before we go what happened in 2019 there come on you have to tell us <laughs> um, 
2019, due to what happened to me concerning Sasquatch in 2016 and 17, in 2019, I decided to behind this cabin I would stay in, I was doing these little gifting things. I had red apples and green apples and some pine cones and uh, like river stones. I was making these structures like I've seen the Native Americans doing and what they say they do to communicate with Sasquatch. Now, there was a lot of people out there, not many down at the cabin by where I was at, but I'm watching everything, watching the people, watching the people down there, everything. And I started noticing the green apples started getting moved and like put with the, the, the pine cone against them like I was doing, you know, maybe like 10, 15 feet from where they were. And then I started seeing these red apples looking like they'd been bitten into, but it looked odd, like these weird little circles, very odd. I was like, what is this? But the red apples were getting like eaten or something and the green ones were getting moved and one or two of them disappeared. Now, I pulled this little trick. I stayed down in the cabin, I think I was leaving out, what it, you know, but I found out these red apples were getting eaten by these robin birds were coming out and pecking the heck out of these red apples, all right? Now, this is what I had to deal with. Whoever it was that was messing with these green apples was not just watching all these people like I was. They were watching the red apples and they were watching me. And they kept getting around me. There was almost no way unless they're coming from this back 40. Now, here's the other thing. So I take... For the first time, I had like a phone with a functioning camera up there. So I take pictures of this yurt because I'm going to make a video afterwards uh, when I get back to town. I take a bunch of pictures of this yurt and um, trying to get that perfect picture. And when I do this video, a lady from England contacts me and says, boy, you were being watched there. How tall was that yurt? And I say it was, uh, you know, about 12 feet tall. She was, this thing is above that. And she sent me these pictures that you would think was just pareidola at first, but she's pointing, she points it to this thing that is over the trees, over the cabin, looking down at me. This thing is about 14 feet tall, probably. And it's looking down at me and it looks like, I had just done a video over comparing Sasquatch to the green man and how some of them are supposedly connected to trees in a way they can change their molecular biology to symbiotically join with trees or shapeshift themselves to look like trees, not just into animals, but look like trees. And there's something in England and maybe in Australia too called the Green Man that seems to have a legend of the Green Man that has similar uh, characteristics. Anyway, that's that. But this thing is this thing looking down at me and my Lord, Karen, I must've taken probably 15 pictures. And I erased them all looking for the one or two that were just perfect. But each one of these videos, even one of these pictures, She's got this thing looking down at me. Those are only on my Patreon channel. Maybe I'll release those videos to YouTube so people can see them. But yeah, so that's something that, so that explained how this thing was able to outsmart me at every point. And what's even more creepy is I was really close to that tree. And that was that thing standing right there, but I never saw it. You know what I mean? It's half, it almost looks like when you see it, it looks like it's half camouflaged, almost like the predator on those movies. So you can see some jungle through them a little bit. You can see leaves through it like that. I've done something on over invisibility and Sasquatch on my YouTube channel that talks about how I think they do that a little bit. But yeah, that was that was what really blew me away in 2019 when I went out there was that. So not just, and it felt female. 
but not just that time, but each time I was out there, the Sasquatch were like all over me. Have you been having chats with them? Do you talk to them telepathically? You know, something happens because I went to another conference in New Orleans, about 45 miles outside of New Orleans, and I'm having some type of interaction there. They're leaving messages for me, mm -hmm. you know, and there's been a couple of things that have happened. So it's, I would say that they're more ultimately aware. <laughs> it's so serious that when me and my partner had tried to pull some spreads, some turret spreads on them, they blocked it. Pull some, what did you try to do with them? Pull some what? We pull, try to pull some turret spreads over them. What's that, Terrence? Terrence, Terrence, Terrence deck, Terrence cards. Oh, tarot, tarot. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay, right. Okay, you try yeah. to sort of talk to them through the tarot, and they. No, we just we, we just wanted to know some things about them. Okay. And they blocked it. Okay, interesting. And my my partner is quite gifted. She's very good, and uh -huh. she's the first one to say it. She said something's blocking these spreads. She could almost see their eyes and things. She said, so they're psychically as protected as they are visually from people. Yeah, that you don't need the you, you don't need the tarot to talk to them. You can talk directly to them. They just see that as there's old outdated technology. I'm sorry, that's just what they're saying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can talk directly to them. You don't need the tarot. Well, yeah. I've, I've had mine speak with them. You know, did, kind of like, get what I'm saying. I mean, I, it, for me, mind speak, doesn't just happen like that. It's not just, I'll just click in like that. To me, it's very real. I'll pick up words, images. It's very intense for me. I don't just tune in like that. You know what I mean? It's not like that. And for them, they may not want it all the time. So is it really them you're talking to is my question to you. And number two is you've got six different types of them. Which type are you talking to? Just, just food for thought. That's all. Well, <laughs> what I'm being told is um, I'm talking to a consciousness that is in contact with their consciousness that is relaying their message to them who's relaying it to me. That's what they're saying. So I'm tapped into who I call the mob, who are a stream of um, infinite intelligence through all space and time that has access to anything I want to ask them, basically, unless unless I interfere with the transmission. I can get in the way of the transmission. Like I, if I'm too in the wanting, like I need to know, I need to know, then I'm kind of interfering with the transmission. But if I'm just in a relaxed, doesn't matter if I know, not in a need to know place, just it would be interesting, instant communication. So that's what they're showing. Like I'm not talking specifically to a Sasquatch at the moment. I'm talking to my mob who are relaying their communication about what you're talking about. That's what they're saying, yeah which is the way I operate with my with my mop, with my gang, with my team. <laughs> I won't say it's my team. I would call it the team or infinite intelligence or the stream of consciousness that anyone can tap into. It's not mine personally. But OK, before we go, we're going to sort of wrap it up here. There's so much there's so many places we could go. What is your with, with everything that you've experienced and communicated and What's your message to people? What's your, what's your main message to people? What do you want people to know? You think it's important for planet Earth at this time? Well, right now, save the place. Save the place. You know what I mean? And be aware of who you are. Don't go through your life completely asleep. There's so much of our energy diverted 
just to pay on our bills, raising our families, getting our school done. I mean, that consumes almost all of our free energy and our perceptual cognitive energy. You've got to free up enough so we can have things like dream attention. So you can be aware of the other beings that are around us. So you can have access to your soul life memories and different life life experiences you might not be on a level to get otherwise. So this is about really waking up, you know, engaging if you've got any karma or trauma that's coming from past lives, you know, making sure that when you pass, you can transition good out of here. That is a real problem. Some of my work right now has shown that I don't talk about a lot, but my work with hypnosis has truly showed me that the earthbound population, trapped earthbound population that doesn't cross over like me and you is as numerous as the living here. And that's a real serious to how many people get joined with deceased people. And at first I found that disconcerting because as medium, I can detect the energy fields that are on the outside, but these are different. They're not just disembodied per people. They're so entwined in the energy field of others that they only live through negative uh, behavior patterns. They're not so easy to discover, you know? So that's a real problem here. So that's the first layer we need to deal with the earthbound spirits before we even get to the demonic and try to start doing the demonic, you know, and why is it so many of us don't cross over? Why so many things keep us here and stop us? That's important stuff. It is. It will give us more access to our life. Sorry. Soul life memories. When you, so access your soul life memories. So meditate, um, uh, rid yourself of negative emotion and resentment and beliefs. And, and meditate and and raise your consciousness. So when you were dead, <laughs> for a better word, and you were you were chatting with uh, your uncle and you seeing your grand, did you feel that they were earthbound in any way, or were they? What did you feel about them? Were they earthbound? I feel I feel like I feel like my grandmother was been crossed over for so long. That's why she couldn't communicate with me. She's much further across that abyss or whatever it is. And that's why she's just kind of blinking like an owl. As where my uncle had just recently transitioned. I mean, we buried him maybe a day or two, two days before I had this accident at most. So I think for the far as I was into the death process, he was able to come back to a certain degree and communicate with me more than they were. They were too far away, even though they were there. You know what I mean? So I would say earthbound them. No, him still able to communicate with earthbound people. But I'm pretty sure he went on right after that too, you know, mm-hmm. but it was a point to where at least I could hear and communicate with him. He was that close as to post them. I couldn't, does mm-hmm. that answer your question? Kind That's of. where I feel like I was still mostly here. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I yeah. died, but that only lasted a very short time before they brought me back. So I can't say, you know, like I was just firmly there. I think I was only had one foot in the door there. You're in the in-between place that many people yeah. have. Uh, what I want to say about earthbound spirits is your soul is never earthbound because your soul, the m- majority of it never comes here. It stays, it stays in that place, that realm, that frequency that is, that is the light, that is pure point of positive energy. So there's only an aspect of us that is here and that can get stuck here because it gets stuck in negative emotion so the greater majority the greater part of us is free and is love and uh, when we contact that greater part of us then it frees up the aspects that are earthbound 
But um, it's not the whole of us. It's only an aspect of us. As you know, the multidimensional aspects of who we are as spirit. You've seen it, Barry. You've seen it. You're silent. Yeah, you know, the problem what I found, though, <laughs> I can say this. There's a, there's a piece of us that stays in perfection with the creator. But the ones I've dealt with, it's the majority of them that's here. The majority of their personality. The personality survives the death process. And there's a lot of them still here, you know, to a point of where I've had to cross some over. Well, they crossed fairly easy. Mm. Um, I had to cross one that is obsessing on a gentleman that has incarnated again and has the same look that he had last time. Mm -hmm. And this individual is still trapped on earth, tripping on that relationship. This individual's gone and come back. And, then, you know, and if you're somebody who's like really anti whatever you're gonna have a hard time dealing with our society doesn't even believe in reincarnation let alone you know the ability to reincarnate that quick or yeah. somebody staying here waiting somebody for somebody else to reincarnate it's a whole nother thing going on you know so i agree not all the people because the part of us with god that still remains there but there's something that behavior wise that keeps a large amount of people's energy and personality here yeah but fortunately true. like i said like fortunately like i said the most of them the earthbound spirits i'm talking about they they cross fairly easy cross and it fair. makes me kind of it makes me kind of wonder and i've asked some other people this at what point is it that when we first cross over you get to say your goodbye but then the light starts retreating if you don't access it and i've had other spirits who will tell me they ran from the light you know i ran i ran i got away from it because you know one individual telling me you know, you didn't know I was here. I was like, well, I was pretty sure. Yeah, but you try to trick me. I'm like, what am I trying to do? You're trying to make me go into that light. I'm not going to go into that light. I'm not going to go into that light. I was like, well, why not? Well, I'm going to have to change. And guess what he says? I can't get another drink there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there you go right there. Yeah. And uh, how are you getting <laughs> your drinks now? You're, you're, you're infecting the, the, my client, turning them into an alcoholic. You're living okay. like that. So you're yeah. talking to this entity as you're working on a client and you're you're seeing and telepathically communicating with this earthbound entity. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, they, they, they talk to the client. They talk to the through client, to and through the client. Yeah. And um, so the client was saying this, you were talking, it was speaking through the client, was it? The the earthbound entity was talking through. Is this in Every hypnosis? Is this in hypnosis? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, uh, we had Preston in our inner sanctum recently, and he was saying that he's uh, proficient at astral traveling. And somebody said, oh, your house is haunted. And so he popped out of his body and he saw this dude there and he's like, what are you doing in my house? Preston. <laughs> you know, Preston. Dennett? Preston Dennett. Dennett. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great guy. And in his yeah, astral his... form, he saw this earthbound spirit like, what are you doing in my house? He was so nonchalant. It was so funny. He was so casual. He's like, Get out of my house. Stop haunting my house. I thought he's so funny. And he said the next time he popped out, he saw somebody else in his house. He said, What are you doing in my house? Another earthbound spirit. Anyway, it was very funny. He was so, but he said, I just helped them cross over, just like, you know, no drama, no biggie. He, so when you're helping earthbound spirits cross over, you're finding it pretty easy. Some, some are resistant, some are not. Most of them are fairly easy, honestly. Um... You got a number of them too that hang out in the incubator rooms of hospitals, and then wow. they jump. The, they, they join with the baby in the incubator, and you know that child. And when you get a situation that you have, let's say, it's a male body and it's a female that gets in him and joins with him, they join up, feeling like you know they're 
partial female. So that explains some of this, you know, that's so not fair. But by the same token, we're not as a society, at least in America here, we're not really trained to energetically put our shields over our child when they're still just in the womb, when they're coming out. That's just something that's not trained here to really secure their energy field. Their energy field is not properly formed yet. So you get some deceased people that see, see the incubator room, they see that, they see a light there and think maybe it's a chance to go back through and reincarnate again. But the truth there, they're invading another person's life space. You know what I mean? And some of them don't know. So they'll cross over because they don't know. And then when some of them discover that they're creating a bad karma for themselves by ruining the client's life, they'll leave and cross over. You know, mostly they seem to go a lot easier than I thought they would. But once again, like I said, we're not really dealing with the demonic level yet. And some people I've engaged, like when I got attacked when I was seven years old, I got attacked by a disincarnate person. But some, some of us are such miserable people, so hateful that when we cross over, our bodies quit running, we turn into something worse. You know what I mean? I know you've seen it too. It's frightful that that happens, but it does. People are so consumed with hate and viciousness, death, murder, that they die and they turn into something else and they don't cross over for that. So I've not really dealt with those ones. It's the ones that's more just normal people that are either caught by substance abuse, mm. property is a big one, property. Oh man, they don't want to let that house go. They're not going to come in here and mess my house up. I'm going to mess up the plumbing so they get out of here. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen uh, <laughs> that coming from, from disincarnate people quite a bit. Um, another one would be love, the love of a person. Right. And the next would be messing with dark art, dark arts, uh -huh. just playing around with dark arts. And then the light comes, you're afraid you might get judged. Judgment's a big one. When I used to, when I was in my 30s, I lived with a girlfriend and she was a psychic and she used to work as a carer going into old people's homes. And um, a lot of the old people who had drunk too much, had affairs on their wives, whatever they'd done, were so afraid to die because they were scared of being judged. And as soon as she told them that God doesn't judge and that, you know, only you're the one that judges your life, they happily transitioned. It's really interesting, this judgment thing that religion has um, this, yeah, this idea that we're going to be judged and punished is is a big fear that many people have that I start that I think many people, old people, especially who are sick and there's so many people suffering in nursing homes that don't transition over because of the fear of judgment. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, another conversation with that would be another two hour show we could talk about. Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it is. It is the, the judgment is something that really, you know, scares people bad. I yeah. agree. I agree. And it and it's um. You know, it, 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 I, think, I think it's a shame in some ways, but what, I, what I've discovered, honestly, when dealing with disincarnate people, it's the same cognitive behavioral therapy I'm using with the living. Right. It maybe works even better with them. But right. you know, each one of them has always told me the same thing. It's very dark here, it's very dark. You know, and they see these individuals, it's like a light and then they join with the light. Right. You know, but they still seem to be able to see things about the person's personality and observe some things around them. But it must be very difficult because of the darkness. I yeah. mean, every one of them has told me that yeah. it's very dark here. Very dark. Wow. Interesting. So yeah. the message is um, 
we have to identify more with who we are as spirit and not who we are as our personality. We're not our desires. We're not our body. We're not our wants and our hates. We're not our family. We're not our upbringing. We're not our education. We're none of it. We're God. We're spirit. We're source. We're infinite intelligence. We're pure positive energy. We are the spark of brilliance. And so when we place our, our identity on that, not only does it help us in our physical life, uh, we don't get trapped in these uh, negative limiting ideas when we cross over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Very limiting. Darling one, it's been such a joy and a pleasure to speak with you today. You are absolutely fascinating. It's just, well, I feel like. I think I feel like we've just, you know, scratched the surface with you. We haven't even, you know, there's so many places we would go. But thank you so much for Well, thank you. Your audience is probably gonna be like, that guy sucks, man. He was talking about stuff that wasn't even relating to You do a lot of self-judgment, Barry. Now, Barry, I'm speaking as the therapist here. Stop judging yourself. Give me some cognitive behavior. I need it. <laughs> You're amazing. You don't suck. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I Stop judging that. yourself. We talked about judgment. Stop judging. You're amazing. You're absolutely amazing. I suspect that that self-judgment stopped you for many years from speaking until they gave you the sledgehammer NDE and then that kind of woke you up to, okay, I've got to speak. But you still got the, the remnants of the self-judgment circulating in that consciousness of yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just, stop just that. the person. I had to, the Andromedans told me that. Andromedan Council that worked on me and told me that. And that was many, many years ago. So only now am I seeing some of what they were saying. <laughs> Love the Andromedans. They're a part of my mob. Love the Andromedans in the end too. But thank you again. Love you big time. And thank uh, you for like, having your, me. like your ank. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's brought me good luck. <laughs> thank you very much for having me on. This has been a pleasure. Barry's fascinating, isn't he? We went for two hours. I didn't realize it was two hours. Oh my God. Two hours. It went so quickly. Oh, but he, he's a bit all over the shop, like a mad woman's breakfast, which was a saying an ex-boyfriend of mine used to say. God, he used to crack me up. All over the shop, like a mad woman's breakfast. He's a bit all over the shop, but uh, there were so many places we could have gone. Fascinating. 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 I would really love to see him and Nassim, Nassim Haramain, I think that's how you say his name, chat about black holes and quantum physics and yeah yeah we need to restructure our whole education system to include this stuff mm. yeah it's fascinating anyway i'm not going to chat for too much because it's been a long show uh check out barry's youtube youtube barry littleton and um he's a little bit all over the shop on his youtube too he's sort of chatting away and here and there. Anyway, it's kind of hard to sort of get into a linear mind, like the, our linear minds like to see things in a linear mind frame, listen to stories at the beginning, the middle and the end, rather than sort of circular. <laughs> but I think that ET consciousness is a more circular way of thinking. I'm a bit like that. I'm very circular. I don't sort of do something and stick to it and finish it. I start something, I start something else, I come back to it, I go back to it. And I'm sort of all over the shop. I, when I, in working with people and putting on events, I worked with someone who worked in banking who was very logical and linear and she couldn't cope the way I'm sort of all over the shop. Like, let's just stick to one subject and talk about that and then we'll go to the next subject rather than chopping and changing all the time. <laughs> Circular thinking. All right. It's been fun. I might get Barry into the inner sanctum maybe next year. Maybe. 
Anyway, I'll have a chat with him. He's lovely. He's gorgeous, isn't he? Uh, join us if you want to have these conversations weekly with me, me and my tribe. As I say, I've got quite a few melanin-dominant people in the, in the tribe. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've been melanin-dominant for many lifetimes. Many, many. I've seen many lifetimes. I've seen many lifetimes uh, as Indigenous. I've been everything. been everything. Chinese, white, black, green, purple. You know, I've been everything. I've done it all. <laughs> I've been here for a long time. Uh, yeah, I often thought when I was younger, I've been male more than female, that having this very fleshy, um, buxom sort of female form, I was thinking, is this a cosmic joke? I often found my body quite hilarious. It was so feminine, you know, so buxom and feminine. And uh, I thought I really picked a a really feminine body this time. I really wanted to anchor that feminine energy in this lifetime, that sort of psychic creative energy and not get too lost in the logical, sort of more male dominant thinking, like logical thinking, because uh, you can kind of get, you can get lost in logical thinking and you can be tapped out of your intuitive knowing, which is so much more expansive. So it's that sort of feminine creative energy that most people equate to psychic, intuitive psychic ability. Hence why many psychics in the past, not so much now, were, ma were female and not male. Oh, it's 11, 11 here. And uh, you see a lot of psychics these days who are male. So it's not uh, attributed to one sex or another. It's just we give it these labels that's more feminine than masculine. Anyway, I'm, I'm not going to chat for too much longer. And um, yeah, remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. And I will catch you next time send me your questions if you have any questions so please barry answered that question about about how we can clean up our radiation with the fungus it was fascinating love you big time bye for now